Okay, I would like to start us off by, by, today by, uh, by telling you about uh, how I like to make uh, a sandwich, okay? How, how, how do I make my favorite sandwich? Uh, there's a shop, a uh, sub shop near our house, uh, and every so often we'll, we'll order online, because that's the thing you do nowadays to, uh, to, to place an order. We'll order online, and uh, my sandwich of choice is the number eight. That is the club sub, okay? Uh, what's on the club sub? You have turkey. You have ham, you have provolone cheese. How many know what sub shop I'm already talking about? Does anyone know? Yeah, okay, all right, yeah, all right. Okay, I didn't want to give them the shout out because uh, I'm about to say some things that are not necessarily nice about uh, this, this place. I, I love the sub though, okay? So there's provolone cheese and there's the most important ingredient of all on the club sub, it is? Thank you, thank you for not even hesitating. Thank you, thank you. But in reality, there, there, there's so much more to the sub than that. I ask them to finish off the sub with, with lettuce, tomato, and onion pickles, mustard, mayo, vinegar, oil, wheat organ oil blend. And then I have them put this cherry pepper relish on there. Uh, man, it's so good. Uh, that's how you make a sub. But here's the problem. It happens all the time. I'll place the order online. I'll go to pick it up. I'll bring it home, unwrap it, and they forgot to put on the bacon. Bacon. Come on. You know, and here's why. I've written, I've written them letters about this. Okay? Okay, I've written them letters. I've pointed out to them that, that a number of times when they go to make the sandwich, this happens maybe half the time, at least half the time, maybe even more, that they forget to put the bacon on. And, uh, and here's why. Because they, they go to the, the, the refrigerated meat thing, and they pull that out, and they put that on the, the meat slicer, and they say, okay, number eight, here's the turkey, here's the ham, Here's the cheese, plop it on the bread, move it down. Okay, the bacon is a protein and it should be on there. But again, because it's not in the refrigerated section, but behind them on the counter, they often, almost always forget to put it on. They, they, they put all the rest of the toppings on, wrap it up, gone, no bacon. Okay, it makes me so mad. And so by the time I get home, what am I gonna do? What, what, we've, sometimes we've gone back and said, I want my bacon. <laughs> Just give me two slices of bacon and we'll call it a day, all right? now. It's so frustrating, okay? When, you're, when you leave uh, the, 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 the bacon off a club sandwich, you know, what good is it? It ceases to be a club sandwich. You know, it almost makes you say, I don't want to eat it now. I just don't even want it. What, why would, you know what? Do you know what a club sandwich is without bacon? It's just a sandwich. It's just, it's just a turkey and ham sandwich. That's all it is, you know? And so maybe you like that? I don't know. I, at that point, it's not worth it. Okay, so how in the world does this relate to the book of Ephesians? Any guesses? No, okay, I've got you confounded. Faith that works, close, good, good, all right. It's not the bacon. It's not the bacon? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Th this letter, let's see how, how long it takes you to, to, uh, to apply it. The letter of the Ephesians uh, wasn't a letter written to individuals, okay? Rather, it was a, a letter written to a community of believers. Upon receiving this letter, the response Paul was hoping for wasn't so how do I apply this to my personal life? Although that is something you can do. The response he was looking for was, how are then we going to do these things together? That's why we have the sign on the door that says how to build a church. Because that's what, that's what, we're, that's what we're focused on here, is what did Paul tell us in the letter of Ephesians that not only, not only helps us in our own sanctification, but really, how does it help us and how do we apply it to how we mix all these ingredients together. 
You getting there? You get it? You're starting to get the sub, the sub application? Okay. So this is what we started to uh, unfold last week when we cracked into chapter four. So let's continue chapter four. Keeping with this idea, how are we going to live as Christians in this life together? How do we do this? So open your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter four, and we're going to begin in verse seven. So Paul is just coming off telling us to walk. Remember this from last week, walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And we're to do this in a manner that displays humility, patience, and gentleness. That's what we talked about last week. So, so here we go. Ephesians 4, 7. I'll put it up here on the board too. This is Ephesians 4, 7. And we'll start with just verses 7 and 8. Listen to what Paul is saying here. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. What in the world is he saying there? Paul, Paul's painting for us a picture here, and he's using a, a quote from the Old Testament to it. This is uh, verse 8 from Psalm 68, and it was a prophetic verse. He had a, a, a historical meaning, but it was also a foreshadowing of what Christ would do. And, and, uh, and to capture what's being said here, you have to have a little bit of understanding of how generals and soldiers would conduct themselves in ancient times, in, in the times of David. He, he would certainly been in practice uh, in Rome during Paul's time too. So whenever a Roman general would, uh, would, uh, would return to Rome after a great victory, he would bring back with him all the spoils of war they had won. And so all the people they had captured would be lined up and would be, would be led through Rome as an indicator of the great victory the general had just achieved. And it was, it was quite literally a parade of sorts that people would parade in and uh, the, the army they just conquered. And do you know what the general would do with all the spoils of war? He'd start handing out these gifts. He'd start handing out these things. Hey, here's, you know, your sword is looking a little ragged here. Here, try this one out. Or, hey, here's a breastplate that maybe, maybe, you, could, maybe you could use because you don't even have one, okay? So, so he's literally passing out the spoils of war, okay? Here's, here's that, uh, uh, that iron ball with the spikes on it, whatever that is, right? Probably very useful. So, so, so the, the victorious general would then take captives, and he'd pass out the spoils of war to his soldiers. Now, Paul is painting for us a picture of Jesus returning in triumph, Okay, using this imagery, he's returning in triumph, then sharing the blessings of what he's done with his people. Jesus, the conquering general, is passing out gifts to equip them, making them battle ready. See that? This is what he's referencing here. So Paul's first hint at our question of, you know, how are we going to do this life together, right, is by way of the gifts of Christ. The conquering general has passed out these gifts, okay, now, let's keep going. Verse 9, Paul pauses for a bit, uh, uh, giving us a sort of a sidebar, uh, giving more detail about these spoils of war. So keep this, this side note in mind. We're going to circle back to it in a bit, okay, because he says, he starts out with this parenthetical phrase, in saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is that, this is all parenthetical, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Then he continues his thought. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints of the work of the ministry, detailing gifts here for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to the measure of the force of Christ so that we may launch, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. 
in every way into Christ, from whom the whole body joined, held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up in love. That was a long passage, but let's, uh, let's jump into it. So how are we going to live the Christian life together? Okay, that's what we're trying to answer from what we just read here. The first thing we have to do is understand of, of how these gifts play into the mix. Okay, so let's ask ourselves first this question. What are spiritual gifts? Okay, let me ask you that. If you have a young believer or even a non-believer ask you, what does the Bible mean by spiritual gifts? In a nutshell, what's your answer? If someone asks you, what, what, what do you mean spiritual gifts? What is a spiritual gift? What are spiritual gifts? I'm going to take a sip of my coffee while you think about that. <laughs> and I'll answer. Your faith is a gift, right? Uh, that's what we heard earlier in Ephesians, you know, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and even that is... Not, a, not of your own doing, right? What else? What are spiritual gifts? Yes. Individual talents and propensities that God gives individuals to use to work together, for the to, work together to and from the community. Sort of like a sandwich. I, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> It's not great. I know. I'm, I've, I was even struggling with this. You know, I said, Tracy, I need one more illustration to open it up, and the best I can come up with is a sandwich. And so, but yes, you're exactly on the right, right track here. In a nutshell, spiritual gifts are different abilities. They're different abilities given to believers by the Holy Spirit so that a community of people is, is formed who are, are growing and becoming more like Jesus Christ, even more simply stated. Their ability is given to you and me that enable us to help each other become more like Christ. Okay, see that? That's what Paul is getting at here. Let's dig in a little deeper. First, I want to ask this question. Why? Why do we have spiritual gifts? Okay, just pause for a moment. Why do we have spiritual Why did the Lord give us spiritual gifts? Think about all that imagery that we just heard about, the Lord handing out gifts. You know, of what purpose of that? And then think about that in terms of context of battle too. Why? Why would the Lord do that? Okay, there, there are five lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible. Uh, there's one in Romans 12. Uh, there are two in 1 Corinthians, and then there's this one in Ephesians 4. There's also one in 1 Peter 4. Every one of the lists is a little bit different. And uh, so, I, in other words, I don't, I don't think they're meant to be exhaustive. No individual list there is meant to be exhaustive. In other words, there are probably, undoubtedly, even some gifts given to believers that don't appear specifically on one of these lists. But Paul is making a point by, by listing them each time, and each time a little different, kind of like, if I may, making a sandwich. You can make a, <laughs> you can make a sandwich different. You can make it all kinds of ways. You can add this topping, that topping. But again, not meant to be that this is the definitive sandwich, right? It's, it's one, one way. What's that? With or without bacon, which why would you do that? But uh, <laughs> without bacon. The main point he's trying to make here is that, there, again, there's lots of different gifts. And, and these lots of different gifts have many different purposes. Some people have gifts of, say, evangelism, uh, teaching, uh, bearing burdens, encouragement, mercy. What else is there? Uh, leadership. There's a gift of uh, administration. There's gifts of uh, wisdom. So Paul, so Paul details all these gifts, and what he's getting at is that there is no, listen to this, there is no human need there is no human need, spiritual, physical, psychological, relational, 
that doesn't have some spiritual gift that can address it. Okay? All right? Spiritual gifts are the ability to address any of those things. Any of those things. Are you emotionally wounded? There's a spiritual gift that can address that. Okay? Are you downcast? There's a spiritual gift that can address it. Are, are you in need of a correction? There's a spiritual gift that can address that. Are you feeling rejected? There's a spiritual gift that can address that. There's no human need that doesn't have some spiritual gift that can address it. So that's the first thing we have to understand and realize about spiritual gifts, what they're for. Look at verse 12. What are they for? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Okay, when Jesus gives gifts to the people, right, he gives those gifts not for ourselves. It's not for me, believe it or not, but for the sake of our fellow believers. So if he equips me with something, it's not for my own benefit. It's for your benefit. You know, have you ever stopped to consider that? Why do you have the spiritual gift that you have? Why do you have, even if, even if you're not really on board yet with, I don't understand the whole concept of spiritual gifts, why do you have the abilities that you have? Why do you have the strengths that you have? It, it's not for you. I promise you that. It's not so that you can, oh, you know what? I'm going to use this to make a lot of money. You can do that. But ultimately, ultimately, it's for the benefit of the church. That's why you have the skills that you have, you know, and don't even try, you know, something that I think is good about what we emphasize at this church is that, again, there's not a, there's not a separation between the sacred and the, and the secular. Even if you feel like you're in a secular field, that is a gift that you use for the body. However well you're doing, if you're, if you're a lawyer, an attorney, a plumber, whatever, you use your gifts for the sake of the body. And if you can't wrap your mind around that, well, I'll, I'll talk to you more about that later, too. But again, whatever you do. Whatever your abilities, there is a, a place for it in, in, uh, in the church, okay? Um, again, for the benefit of the body of Christ, the benefit of, for, for someone else. That's why Paul calls it ministry. Why do we have spiritual gifts for ministry? You're going you're gonna to have a hard time finding an instance of ministry in the Bible when it's applied to self. I don't think you'll find it. I don't think you'll find it. Um, when Jesus was pressed over what the greatest commandment in the Bible was, what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. That's the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This, this is the whole law. It's the whole law summed up into, into two, two phrases, you know, which is essentially the same, same commandment. And you know what he's saying here? Look, where do you see, uh, you know, for, your, for yourself? <laughs> where do you see self in here? You don't see it. It's love God, love people. Okay, that's what he's saying. This, this is the greatest, the greatest thing. It's to love God, love others. Minister to God minister to others. And here's the kicker. This is why Jesus said the second is like it. When we love others, we build the body. And when we build the body, the body of Christ, we're ministering to God. Okay. God is served. That's why I said the second is like it. Okay. The ultimate objective is that God is worshiped. That's, that's why we're on the planet. That's why you and I are on the planet. The Westminster Confession, Shorter Catechism, question one. Do you remember this one? What's the chief end of man? You guys are a great choir. Let's say, <laughs> almost together. Yes, you all said it, but just a little bit at different times to, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's your chief end. That's why you're put on this planet, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So ministry in the church, exercising the spiritual gifts, they're, they're not just here to make people happy in some general way. They form us into a body. Spiritual gifts make us one body. So the Holy Spirit 
through spiritual gifts makes us one body. But the whole purpose of this, this whole purpose of ministry is to create Christ-likeness in one another. That's why we have them. Okay, when spiritual gifts are exercised rightly, the recipient of ministry is growing in Christ-likeness, growing into the likeness of Jesus. This is what uh, he's saying in verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. See that? And when that happens, when that happens, God is glorified. Does that make sense? Any, any thoughts, questions, or, or uh, concerns? You get that much? Yeah. Yes. Perfectly stated. Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly it. And again, that's why, again, we, we talked talk last week about indicative and imperative. You know, there's nothing, there's no command in the Bible. There's no blind command in the Bible that isn't first preceded by or immediately followed by an, an indicative. You know, it says, this is, the, this is the indicator. The indicator says, for by grace you've been saved. That's his thesis statement here. And so even, even the gifts that you get, right, even the gifts that you're given, uh, even that is, a, is exactly what I'm saying. It's a gift. And what do you do with that gift? It's not for yourself. It's not for yourself. It's not to be self-absorbed because, again, that's the nature of everything that Paul is saying. There's nothing about this that is self-centered. Nothing is that, is that for you. It's all meant to, to be, to be uh, um, as you said, like a kind of flowed through. Yeah, very, very good observation. Anyone else? Thoughts, comments? All right, let's, let's ask the next question. Who? Who gets the spiritual gifts? Who gets spiritual gifts? I bet we can answer this one. Every believer, every believer, look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Two things to notice here. First, who gets spiritual gifts? Every believer. Every believer gets a spiritual gift. And the second thing is, who decides which gift is given to which believer? It says, according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So Christ's sovereignty gives those gifts to each believer. It's up to him. It's up to him as to who gets what. It, it's, it's not up to you to pick your gift and then, then cook it up, okay? Uh, what that means is that every believer gets, I'd say, at least one gift. Maybe some get more. That's Christ's decision, who gets what, all right? But it's also his decision that every believer gets something. Every believer gets something. And here's why that's important to distinguish. Well, I think we talked a little about this last week, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe I'm just imagining it. But do we try and distinguish between uh, spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit? Do we make any distinction there? Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about when I say the fruit of the Spirit? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Yes, we did talk about it last week because Spencer had a song, right? And uh, I had a song. They left one of the fruits off that song. Remember that? What were the fruits of the Spirit? Self-control. Did you say goodness? Because I always forget that one. Yeah, goodness, yeah. That's the one that I, yeah, I got left out of my song too. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, and goodness. I have to always tack it on the end there. Because they left it off for some reason. That's right. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, now, now, here's, here's where we have to make the distinguish. Not every believer gets every gift. Does every believer get every fruit? Yes. 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 In other words, okay, 
we may not have the same amount of each of those individual fruit, but we're all called to have every fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you can't opt out of goodness. You know, you can't out opt out of self-control. If you are a believer and the, 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 the Holy Spirit has taken up residency within you, and again, if you are a believer, then that is the case, uh, he's not going to say, you know what, this one is not going to get uh, love. This one is not going to get joy or peace. You know, again, the fruits of the Spirit are always, are always at work in the heart of every believer. Every believer, okay? That's the fruit of the Spirit. Unlike gifts of the Spirit, every believer doesn't get, say, the gift of evangelism. Every believer doesn't, say, get the gift of uh, uh, administration, okay? Those, again, are, are handed out according to Christ's sovereignty. Now, with that said, if you say, well, I don't have the gift of teaching. That doesn't mean you never teach. Sorry, <laughs> don't mean to let you off the hook. I don't have the gift of evangelism. That doesn't mean you never evangelize. You, you may not have a certain gift, but there could be certain times and certain circumstances where the Spirit equips you to perform a certain task outside of your normal area of expertise, so to speak. Does that make sense? Because imagine this, if you say, I don't have the gift of evangelism, uh, but you have kids. Well, I don't have a gift of, I guess I can't evangelize my own kids. No, you wouldn't say that. The Lord will equip you to evangelize your kids. Okay, does that make sense? Make sense? Okay, so in the body of Christ, everybody has every fruit, or at least that's the Holy Spirit is working uh, to that end, but not everybody has every gift in spite of the fact that we are all fundamentally one in Christ. Spiritual gifts create enormous diversity. Okay? And that's why, have you ever noticed that we, there is what, the diversity within the body of Christ? You know, you and I, even though the number of denominations we have, I think those stem out of the fact that, well, we have, so I feel really strongly about this because my, you know, I have a gift that says that this is what I'm to pursue. And, and naturally, you know, different expressions of the body come out because, again, we're, we're, uh, we have uh, different gifts. Okay, so everybody gets a gift. Any further thoughts or, or comments on, on who gets the gift, who gets a gift? And you understand the distinction between fruits and, and, uh, and, and gifts? Yeah? Jody. So it, it seems just kind of observing, you know, people observing in life that a lot of times the gifts of God, the, you know, the spiritual gifts, kind of run along the grain of, you know, certain personalities and natural gifts and mm -hmm. so forth. Is there any, like, scriptural part of that that addresses that aspect? The one that comes to mind immediately is, uh, is the uh, Apostle Paul, okay? Paul uh, was a zealot. Okay, Paul uh, was a man of conviction. Paul was a man of principle before, before he was saved. Okay, so as, as, uh, as, as strong of a personality, uh, those traits as, as uh, the Apostle Paul had before he was a Christian, after he became a Christian, those same, those same gifts were present. He was still, he's still a zealot, but he's a zealot for the cause of Christ now. Okay, and so in that, that regard, again, you have to think of, you, you, you and I live on a, a linear timeline, and we think, okay, I, I've been saved at this point, but 
the way that the Lord operates is that you were saved from the foundation of the world. Okay? And so that means, when did he start equipping you? Did he start equipping you the moment you became a believer, or did he start equipping you even before that? Yeah. And so it's no surprise that a lot of the gifts that you had, gifts you had before you were a believer, he uses those very things after you're a believer too. And again, that's why I point to the Apostle Paul. All the things that made him a zealot you know, before, he still was. He still was a man of passion. He still was a man of, of, uh, of uh, 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 principle, I guess you can say, or uh, conviction. Okay? He had his convictions before, but then the Lord rewired him to have his convictions in the right spot. Yeah? Oh, okay, which one? Do you want to, Jan was going to say, do you want you can converse ahead of time or no? Yeah, uh-huh. Yes. Absolutely. It, 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 uh, it all still applies, okay, because uh, what you talked about here was, uh, was common grace, okay? And what that common grace means is, is referring to, unlike uh, special grace, special grace is the saving grace that God gives you and, and makes you a Christian. Common grace uh, is the grace that he gives out uh, whether or not you're a believer. That's why, like you were saying, there are good teachers out there, right? Uh, that are, there are good people out there, right, that are doing good things uh, that, that even though they're not Christian, you know, the, the, uh, but the, what, what we learn in James is that James tells us that every, every, every good thing, every good thing is, is a gift from the, from the Lord above in heaven, okay? So yes, there is common grace, and we can look at that, and we can categorize that as, as if there's anything good happening out there, even if it's not at the hands of a, of a non-believer, that is still the grace of God. And I would still say, by the, same, by the same rationale that I was talking about with Jody, that those gifts exist for the benefit of, of you and I. The, the sun shines down on the just and the unjust alike. Okay, And so we are beneficiaries of some of those things. But what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians is specifically how to build the church. So he's taking that conversation and not saying that, okay, here's how we apply common grace, but now we're specifically dealing in the realm of the church. And in the realm of the church, I'm only speaking to Christians right now, basically is what he's saying. I'm only speaking to Christians right now. You each should have gifts. And here's how you use those gifts. So again, we are the beneficiaries of common grace. But in the context of the church, we learn and understand what those gifts are. And we apply them to how you and I are made to be more like Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess going back to the previous question, mm -hmm. so something that could maybe begin as common grace, mm -hmm. like Yes, absolutely, 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 yeah. Is that? Okay. <laughs> That's allowed. I'll allow it. Yes. So that brings up the question because you bring up a lot of the denominations. And so is it accurate to say that like any church that's called, right, has every single spiritual gift within that? Otherwise, it would have never have been called. Or maybe it was a man, man or someone saying, I'm going to do this on my own and not act. Yeah, that's a really good question. My, okay, if, if it is a, uh, you, you're, you, 
presupposed your statement with if it is a church called by God, okay? Uh, so in that respect, I would say yes, all right? Uh, and again, if, and if you can think of a reason why that would be wrong, I would love to hear it, but my impulse is to say yes. If it's a church called by God, established by God, then yes, the spiritual gifts are going to be present. Uh, I, I probably could think of a few things, like let's just say you have a small 50-person church uh, that's really disorganized. Does that mean there's not someone there with a the gift of administration? I bet there is. I bet there is, but maybe someone isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guarantee. I guarantee by the 50 person, someone, someone in there has the ability to create a spreadsheet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Any other questions before we move on to the next? Okay, the next one is how, how do we use special gift, spiritual gifts? How do we use spiritual gifts? Okay, again, the first thing, uh, we want to understand about using our spiritual gifts, the fact that we, that we all get one, at least one. Uh, here's what this means. It means, it means there are not any passive Christians, okay? Uh, there aren't any passive Christians. There's no one given a, a title of, uh, I'm an observer only, all right? Uh, we all get a spiritual gift, and therefore we're all called to use them. You got to use them. It's, it's not an opt-in situation, okay? So how do we use the spiritual gifts that we have? How are we supposed to use them? Uh, the answer lies within one word, and it's in Ephesians. Uh, also, you see it in Ephesians, or 1 Corinthians 13. Um, what's 1 Corinthians 13? Do you know what that chapter is? It's the love chapter, right? Uh, effectually known as the love chapter, where Paul deals with love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy or boast. Now, notice the first verses. Notice uh, in this chapter first, uh, verses 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into, the, uh, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, uh, which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, so the whole point is when every part of the body is doing, the, the, um, doing the, its thing rightly, the body builds itself up in love, okay, over and over, over and over. Paul never gets to the spiritual gifts without talking about love, all right? If you notice when Paul talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, he talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about spiritual gifts. He talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14, and what is that sandwich? <laughs> What's right in the middle? It's the passage on love. It's the whole uh, diatribe, not diatribe, that's a strong word. It's a whole uh, uh, essay on love, okay? Now, why? Remember, 1 Corinthians, you have to also remember this. 1 Corinthians is, uh, is, is, it wasn't meant to be sort of like, here, oh, well, let me, I'm going to write a poem on love. So here's 1 Corinthians. The, the, the whole context of 1 Corinthians is a rebuke. It's a strong letter to the church, to a church that had gone haywire. Okay, and, and so Paul talks about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, and, and if you're, you're, you're passive and not using your gift, why is that? There's an absence of love. There's an absence of love. It's selfishness. That's why he details for them everything to this church, again, that has gone crazy. I'm telling you about spiritual gifts. And the reason you're misusing all these spiritual gifts is because, again, you're doing something selfishly. And if you're doing something selfishly, it's without love. All right, do you see how that works together? Uh, again, that's why he puts spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians in, in 12 and 14. And he says, but remember, you have to, you have to do this in love, okay? So how do, we, how do we use spiritual gifts? We use them in love. Now, it's easy to say, 
but for, for, to some of you that may sound a little nebulous. What does it mean? How do we use our spiritual gifts in love or, or in a manner of love, okay? So, so first, what I want to do is go back to the parenthetical phrase in verses 9 and 10. Remember this? Oh, this is the sidebar. In saying he descended, and I bet you some of you can put this together before we even get there, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions? We start thinking, what is he talking about? Uh, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. We talked a, bit, a little bit about this last week, too. We talked about the idea of Christ descending. Okay, what did we, what did we mean by Christ descending? Do you remember that? Right. He came down to us from heaven. Okay. And when we talk about even Christ, we talked about this last week too, humiliation. When did his humiliation begin? We tend to think that, oh, it's just about the cross. His humiliation was only about the cross or his time up to the cross. When did his humiliation, and again, you might think that sounds like a strong word. You know, when did Christ's humiliation begin? You have to consider a starting point at the very right hand of God, who was equal with God, we're told in Philippians 2, Right. So when did his humiliation, when did his descent begin? Say again? When God sent him. The moment, the moment he, even before his birth, when he became a, yeah, when he became a, a fetus. I mean, think about the, the God of the universe. E- equality with God, not a thing to be grasped. He humbled himself and became something so small, you can't even see it. You know, talk about his descending. Talk about his, his again, humiliation to be, that small when you are equal with God. What is that? That's humility. That's, that's love. He was in glory. He descended and he saved us. That's what love is. Okay. And again, I reference Philippians 2. And again, I'll probably put it up here every week if I have to, because again, this is it. This is the whole gospel. This is what, what's what Jesus did. This is what is expected out of you and me, because even Paul says, have this, have this mind among yourselves. When, when, you, when you think about, you know, what do I do next? How do I live my life? He's telling you, have this mind in yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Self-emptying love, I talk about that in the sermon. Uh, by taking on the form of the servant. Again, equality with God taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming uh, obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what is love? It's the emptying of oneself for the benefit of someone else. Okay, there's no selfish component to it. It's selfless. It's selfless. That's what love is. So this is what I mean by using our spiritual gifts in love. We, we use our gifts, gifts selflessly, not for ourselves, but for the sake of the body, not selfishly, but selflessly. Is it possible to use your spiritual gifts selfishly? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a, the example that I can come to think of. Believe it or not, uh, when, you know, a lot of you know my story in that uh, I went to seminary some 20-something years ago, and then when I finished seminary, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, go into ministry. I just, you know, got a, a job job, and and here I am, you know, 20-something years later, and now, now I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor now. How about that? And, uh, you know, there was a reason, though. The, the, Lord, the Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, I, I think even when I was entering seminary, I don't think I was really ready to enter seminary. 
even when I graduated seminary, I don't think I was really ready to engage in the work of full-time ministry, okay? And when I was in seminary, I thought, you know what? I, I, was already, I was already struggling with the notion of maybe I shouldn't even be here, okay? Maybe I'm really not, uh, maybe I'm not cut out for this, or maybe I shouldn't be here for this. And so I tried to prove to myself that I was. So everyone else was going out finding a church to be a part of, and it was almost like a, a social, you know, let's all go to this church because uh, this pastor is here. Let's, let's all go to this church. You know what I did? I'm going to find the smallest church there is that's dying on the vine because you know what? They need me. <laughs> they need someone like me who could uh, teach the youth. I can bring out my guitar and I can lead in music on Sunday mornings if I have to. I can do all the things that he, and I found that church. And you know what? I hated it. <laughs> I hated going. I really did. You know why? Because I was struggling. I was, I was emptying myself for myself. I was trying to prove to myself, you know, how good I was, how worthy I was. And in the process, I'm draining myself. And I, and I was just miserable. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? They, they, they put me to work and they, they, I did all these things. And again, I was using my gifts and abilities uh, out of a lack of love. I was using them to, to prove something to myself. I wasn't using them selflessly. I, I was using them selfishly. And again, when you're miserable, when you're miserable like this, I promise you, whatever the circumstance you're in, if you're miserable, someone else is miserable too. Okay? And so now it's not just something you're doing to yourself. It's something you're doing to the rest of the body. You know, you can't, uh, gosh, did you, my mom is here, by the way, this morning. Did you, were you the first one to tell me you can't sin in a vacuum? Where did that, who, who said that first? I don't remember. Maybe it was you. Yeah, but maybe her mother. Yeah, passed down. You can't sin in a vacuum. You can't. Inevitably, inevitably, it's going to affect somebody else. Okay. Uh, have you ever had a toothache? Oh, tooth. Does, does a toothache only hurt in the tooth? It, it's like it hurts your whole body. It affects your whole being. Uh, you don't want to move. You, you start to contemplate, uh, how, should I just remove my whole head? Would that, would that make the pain go away, right? Because again, it affects more than just the, the tooth itself. It spills out. So how do we use our spiritual gifts? Quite simply, we use them for the sake of someone else, not for yourself, not, not for notoriety, not for attention, not for pats on your own back, not for inner peace, not because, oh, this is my identity. This is who I am. I've completed myself. No, it's for someone else. It's for someone else, okay? How do you devote yourself to the body of Christ and properly use your gifts? And along that, you, you might naturally ask the question, so what is my spiritual gift? And that's a little bit more difficult of a question to answer, okay? The, the, the first thing you have to have to have a spiritual gift is determination. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's see if you're paying attention. <laughs> You have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to be a Christian. You have to believe the gospel. Uh, can you have spiritual gifts if you don't have the Spirit? We talked a little bit about this. It's possible to have gifts, to have abilities, but again, to be used from a kingdom perspective, it has to be at the impulse and at the impetus of, 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 the, of the Spirit's calling and, and, the, and the work of Christ, okay? And again, is it wrong to ask, you know, what's my spiritual gifts? Uh, you, it, that's, it's a difficult question to ask because sometimes asking that, it, it tends to have a self-focus and tends to say, well, what, what, what am I gifted in? Oh, you're almost asking the wrong question. Instead, what the passage is asking us to do is, is look around you. Look at the needs of others. You know, how are you hurting today? 
Uh, what need do you have? And you know what? If the Spirit is in me and I can meet that need somehow, guess what? It's going to come out. Not by my own doing, but by the work of the Spirit. Okay, so I'm not saying it's bad to say, what's my spiritual gift? Those things should come out naturally just by being a part of the body. It'll be exposed in a way that you, you didn't even realize maybe you, you, you knew you had. And you suddenly start using these gifts without even, without even realizing that you had them. Okay, maybe there's an impulse that you say, oh yeah, that, that's something I always do. But again, you start seeing it through a different perspective. Rather than self, you're looking at it through the, for the sake of someone else. And that makes all the difference uh, in so far as spiritual gifts are concerned. Um, what, uh, what, what, let me stop there because uh, I've, uh, I've got somewhere else to be. I've got to go preach. <laughs> Is there any questions or comments before we uh, uh, dismiss on spiritual gifts or any observations or thoughts, words of wisdom? Anybody with the I, gift of I've wisdom? Oh, thank you. All right. Well, good. Yeah, when you, when you start realizing these things, again, to, to me, uh, there was a, it was a defining moment. In seminary, I was already in seminary, and I was already being put to work. Uh, but it was a matter of realizing that, you know what? Uh, spiritual gifts are meant not for me, but for the body of Christ, for the sake of the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ. And when you start thinking about it that way, it is. It's life-changing. It is it's really life-changing. Uh, someone else? Yes, Miss Ma'am. Oh, my mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. And again, that, again, it's, it's the, when you start seeing the hands and feet of Christ uh, in, in action, again, you, you look at something like that and you say, why? There's no self-benefit to that. There's no self-benefit to saying, you know what, I'm going to go lift someone else up. Because you know what, it, it can be taxing. Uh, it, it, it takes away from your own time. There's other things you could be doing. I could go get a donut, you know. <laughs> but instead, it's, it, when you're saying, I'm going I'm to go over to someone for the sake of that someone, that's, it's emptied itself of any uh, self-focus. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing when you start seeing it in action because it's like, I wouldn't do that naturally on my own. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Has to be. Anyone else? All right. If you have any other questions or comments or thoughts uh, that, uh, that you want to share uh, with me privately, please do that. I'm always here for you. I uh, would love to discuss and, and work through any, any of these, uh, these things that you may be wrestling with still that maybe you don't feel like bringing up in class. I'd love to talk through them with you uh, separately. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for spiritual gifts. Thank you that you have equipped us. You haven't just left us down here uh, flailing about trying to, to, to figure out what we, what we do next, but you've equipped us. Uh, you've given us things to use for your body. And in the context of a body, not, not by ourselves, but with the body of Christ. So help us, help us as we go forward, help us to, uh, to take our focus off of ourselves and start looking out around us and how we can encourage one another, how we can build each other up for the sake of the glory of God. Uh, help us do that in everything that we do and say. Uh, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thank you all.